vulnerability to me is strength. Those who are unwilling to be vulnerable are the most vulnerable. You don't get to a certain level just because of experience. You do it by failing and asking yourself the tough questions on how you get better. Mm-hmm. Either you decide intentionally to be tough enough to bear your challenges and your failures in front of others, or you act the part and you pretend that you're bulletproof and you get exposed for what you are eventually as people are not bought into your vision and you walk away. Mm-hmm. So if you're not vulnerable as a leader, your business is vulnerable from a competition or from a bottom line standpoint. And uh, when people get that message, then they have two choices. They can either be an imposter and pretend they got all their stuff together, or they can be real because nobody's perfect. And the most successful people in the world, they failed a lot. It is time to do something about inactive populations. From physical literacy to policy change to youth sport, education, and business development, we are a collective of smart and experienced servant leaders ready to take a stand. We are the Quality Coaching Collective, and this is the Quality Coaching Collective Podcast. Hi. My name is Martin Reeder. I'm a 2012 Canadian Beach Volleyball Olympian, Nike trainer, and athlete entrepreneur. I will be your host as we speak with members of the collective to gain insight, challenge the status quo, and share our passion for improving health and sport culture. So clear your mind, grab a notebook, and let's dive into this episode. Hello and welcome back. Uh, We have the Quality Coaching Collective Podcast Project, episode number two. With me today is the man, Stan Peak, business and leadership coach. Welcome, Stan. Martin, thank you so much for having me today, brother. Excited to be here. I'm so excited. Uh, Before we get started, you've been helping me with a ton of stuff on on my life. And uh, I I just want to say I I really appreciate the time and effort that you put in uh, to me and and my next steps. And you've been a huge help. So that is essentially because of the Quality Coaching Collective. So a big nod right off the bat. Uh, You know what? Uh, I think it's the best sort of arrangement where truly the total is greater than the sum of the parts. Uh, Happy, thrilled to be involved with such an esteemed group and if everybody does their part we're all better by association so i'm i couldn't be more excited to be a part of the qcc agreed well speaking to the qcc uh just right off the bat you know title occupation i know your business and leadership coach but what what are you up to right now so title would be business and performance coach i own a company called insight performance coaching and before we go deep into coaching i'm quick to blow that up because my personal opinion and experience is that coaches are a dime a dozen. So what I really am is a catalyst. And in that, I help people and businesses who are stuck get unstuck. Mm-hmm. Now, I do that through coaching, obviously. But, you know, coaching and selling coaching and talking about coaching in and of itself, it's a tool in the toolbox. The reason I'm here is to help people get unstuck and achieve the closest vision that they can of their potential and why they're here on this planet doing what they do well i can certainly attest to that and and me being in the fitness industry now transitioning out of that you have a ton of experience there as well as high level uh coaching and business leadership so uh certainly a lot of expertise to to draw upon um 
big thing right off the bat is just what problem or issue are you looking to solve or, or what are you trying to prove with within that uh, business and leadership approach? It's a great question and I appreciate that. On a macro level, the problem I'm trying to solve is that business isn't what it should be. Mm. Business, in my opinion, should be a force for good. In Canada, entrepreneurs create more jobs than major industry or governmental, you know, job creation. And so the fact that there's so much employment generated by entrepreneurs, that should be one of those places where people love to come to work. (laughs) And there are places where that happens. There's also places where buyer beware, you know, you, you pay for it and you may not receive the product or service that you were promised. And the team is a commodity or a liability even. I believe in business, a triple bottom line perspective, where it's about profit maximization. It's also about developing the people within your organization as you develop yourself. Leaders, really, their first person to lead is themselves. And it's about community betterment, if not taking care of the one place we have to call home, planet Earth. Mm -hmm. Well, you touched upon those within the three P's, but what does success look like for you? What are you bringing forward and what does that look like through, through your business? In general terms, success for me is applying a trade that you're passionate about and skilled at while you help other people and generate value. <laughs> so in simpler terms, doing what you love, helping people in the process and being able to earn a living uh, as you do that. Um, specifically for me, I love helping people. I'm all about, I'm obsessed with potential. I'm obsessed with human potential and the potential of business. So when I can help people step closer to their potential, realize their potential and start to make traction on that journey, there's no greater high. And when I can do that and come home to a family that loves me, that's a complete definition of success for me. Beautiful. I, I love that. And would you mind sharing what a, a recent win or success looks like for, for you within in that business? What uh, What's a recent piece of news uh, from your side? Well, recent for me would be today. Uh, met okay. with a client who's a new client. We're going to be working together. And she comes from an industry that shan't be named. Very jaded, very distrustful. Literally took three months to grieve and heal after leaving a very toxic work environment. And she knew there's a better way of doing things. And thousands of people just like her knew there's a better way of going about things. Mm -hmm. You know, you shouldn't be chewing up and spitting people out left, right, and center. And so she is going to create a solution to the problem faced by her industry. And we met today for about an hour and a half. And her biggest question, she had a very clear vision, but her biggest question was, is there economic viability to this? Do I have a legitimate business? And when going through a number of reasons why she did, it was the best news this girl could possibly have received. It's been a year since she left a corporate job that she hated that ate away at her soul. And she has a solution. And she just got the hope and the reassurance she needed to know that this is not only going to be a possibility, but we're actually going to make it happen. And so that's an example. And one that's, I mean, it's hours old, not even days old, um, of someone who's on fire, inspired to go back at the industry that chewed her up and spit her out only a year earlier. Right on. I love that story. 
Um, so empowering. And congrats to you. A couple hours ago, you must be fired up right now. Oh, I love, again, it's just it's it's why I do what I do. And when I can have those wins on behalf of my clients, when I can see them have their wins, that's my win. I love it. Hmm. Well, based on your knowledge and experience, you know, what's a big challenge or issue in that landscape today? So we can even go back to the corporate side here. I was thinking more towards youth and the, and the QCC, but just any landscape that you're, that you're interested in, what is just a big issue or problem that you're seeing that you're, you're interested in solving? One of the biggest problems I'm interested in solving is this marriage to the status quo for the sake of preserving the status quo. You know, if there's a few industries that are very large and very archaic, and they are in the business of self-preservation. And again, I'm not going to be specific around industries because, let's face it, I'll piss a lot of people off. Yeah. Uh, but when you think about what it takes to be an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur challenges the status quo. They look at an industry or they look at a process. They look at a marketplace and they challenge the way it is. They challenge the landscape. They offer a solution that is non-conventional. If you look at Airbnb, they challenge the notion that you need a brick and mortar space and the costs that go with that to provide accommodation. Mm -hmm. If you look at Uber, you are still in the transportation industry, but they've gone from a business-centric to a customer-centric model. And there's so many other examples of entrepreneurial solutions. Now, some of the more... Uh, older industries that might uh, represent a degree of elitism, they are in the business of preserving their own best interests where they are sit atop the 1%. Right. So they want to reinforce and preserve the status quo. That's the opposite of entrepreneurism. Mm -hmm. And so that is one of the biggest problems I'm facing is really uh, how do we disrupt some of the established order so that we can generate more good for the consumer, more good for the community. And that might show up in any industry. That might show up. That's what the QCC is trying to do mm -hmm. with issues around obesity and sport participation and dropout rates. That might have to do with, you know, different industries and the economies of scale or how we place our product or service in the hands of the customer or how we treat the customer. It could show up in any industry. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Well, taking that and, and moving it into, let's say, a myth or a misconception or, or some type of problem that lives in that industry or even the industry of your choosing, because I know you work a, across a wide range of uh, expertise and businesses, what would be a, a myth or a misconception that, that you're aware of uh, that people are buying into that would be an easing something to, to change, whether it's, it's mind, body, or, or within business? Well, I, I, that framing in mind is definitely mind. And let's go with the statement, that'll never work. <laughs> We've all heard that, right? Uh, you're a fitness entrepreneur. I'm sure there's ideas and, and it's easy to be a critic, easy to be a naysayer. But that, that advice shows up all over the place. That will never work. And that comes from, first of all, a, a pessimistic attitude. Mm -hmm. Second of all, that comes from playing it safe. And we know that entrepreneurs have to be risk takers. Doesn't mean we're gamblers, but we do inherently take risks. And we, again, as I say, challenge the status quo. So if we, if we really take it up a level from there, it's a mindset. And, and one of the biggest 
causes of failure and one of the biggest causes of success in all the leaders and industries that I work with, mindset is at the heart of all of it. Mm. It's a mindset to see possibility. It's also a mindset to see roadblocks and objections. So one of the biggest things I do and one of the first things I do is I help people challenge and change their mindset so they can go about the problem or the opportunity they're faced with in a different way. We all have problems. Successful people have problems. You know, I would consider, you know, leaders of nations, successful people, successful politicians. They have massive problems. You know, leaders of Fortune 500 companies, massively successful in a financial sense and in a business acumen sense. They have massive problems. Mm -hmm. So if we understand that our mindset is what manifests what we see, then are we oppor- are we focused on opportunities or are we focused on problems? It's such yeah. an important question. That's huge. Puff Daddy said it best. More money, more problems. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that, brother. Uh, well, you kind of addressed change within that, but I, I, a thought that I had was, was what's the best way that we can create change within that? And let, let's maybe stay within that mindset piece because it's something that you've helped me with. Can you d- briefly describe an exercise or, or talk through a, a way that you approach that mindset and that transition for either an individual or a company or, or an organization? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I would look at is, you know, go back to that mindset. That will never work. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, questions are more powerful than answers coming from a consultant or a coach. So if someone says that will never work, you know, maybe you can give them one example of when it did work. Or another way to go about that is to ask the simple question, do you have all the hard evidence that you need to prove your point? Right. Well, um, there you go. If you cannot prove scientifically your point, then you have to at least be open to questioning your stance. Mm-hmm. And if someone has a stance that a business idea or a solution, let's go back to the QCC, if someone has a notion that a implementation strategy for sport participation will never work as soon as they get the hard question do you have all the evidence that you need to know that this strategy won't work well no but okay now but now we got what we got an objection good now we're in a conversation (laughs) we can handle one objection at a time to get someone to consider a different perspective it's honestly as simple as that right on it's it's reframing, it's questioning, and it's forcing someone to admit either it's not, empir- it's not empirical, their position, or at least another point of view is possible. Mm-hmm. And if another point of view is possible, there's probably someone smart out there who's actually turned that possibility into a viable business, a viable solution. Right on. Well, that's... Wonderful advice. Let's shift it more to a personal side here and just go after some core values that, that you live by and that you bring into your life. I uh, just need a couple here, but just want to give the QCC a little understanding of who you are and what you stand for. Happy to. My first and I'd say most pervasive value is personal growth. Uh, and I, when I say that, it's important to say second is family. Now, the reason personal growth is above family is because personal growth makes its way to everything that I do, including family. Mm -hmm. So personal growth makes its way into how I parent, whereas there's times where my core value of family doesn't always show up because sometimes it's not involved in the situation. Right. 
right. where my drive for growth to be a better dad, to be a better husband, to be a better professional, to be a better coach, to be a better person, it's in everything that I do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, personal growth, top core value, family, number two. Uh, number three um, is what I call uh, two feet in. And so what that is, is that notion of being passionate and adventurous in what you do. Uh, you know, give me, give me hardship but excitement way before you give me a cubicle, please and thanks. You know, <laughs> I think it's super important to love what you do. And I think it's important to realize that we get one kick at the can, squeeze as much from life as you can with the one opportunity that you got. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would choose passion and adventure way, way before I would choose security or safety. I love that. Well, that's a great little segue because I know this in advance. I know that said passion and sense for adventure. You were mountain biking one day and, and then something happened. And uh, tell me yeah. a little bit about a, yeah. what, what happened within that situation and, and also how that transformed you and, and your stance and your position and essentially how you approach life. It's funny because – uh, coaching, as I mentioned before, is a very diluted industry. And anytime you're in an industry that's heavy on competition, you really got to think about your positioning and you need a way to differentiate yourself from your competition. And so the best thing I did from a branding and marketing standpoint was break my back in a mountain biking accident. <laughs> Sounds crazy to say, right? But it was three months after I left my last, last job. There was no security. It was literally a situation of eat what you kill, And after dropping my son off at a hockey camp, I wanted to clear my head and go for a mountain bike ride because I had a heavily administrative day, which is not my strong suit. Mm -hmm. So get in the right mindset, go for a mountain bike, first run of the day, went off a bridge, flipped over, landed upside down headfirst and had a compression fracture of T4 and T5. So brutal. I thought I was paralyzed. Uh, Obviously, you're asking yourself some pretty big questions. Uh, In fact, I had this conversation with a client today, and if you've ever had a spiritual death at work where you just hate what you do, or if you've ever had a family, or if you've ever had a near-death experience, you start asking yourself way bigger questions. Mm -hmm. Now, I've had all three of those things. So that time frame, it was really a question of, okay, I survived, I'm not paralyzed, Uh, This sucks and I'm in a lot of pain, but now what do I do? Um, It probably changed the business that I went on to create Mm -hmm. because instead of just being a business coach who traded time for money and helped people with their skills, it was a lot more about impacting people and legacy and the fact that I don't know how much time I got left, but whatever time I do have left, I'm going to do important work. Right on. And so, yeah, it was really important to leverage that. And and one of the best ways I did that was uh, in Calgary, where I do most of my work. Uh, There was a big uh, economic downturn or recession at the time. And so here's a guy who's in a back brace talking to 160 Calgarians, many of whom are out of work, on ways of looking at opportunity that exists amidst hardship. Mm. And the crux of that talk was really... How fast can you go from why me to where's the opportunity in this? Right. And we've already talked a lot today about mindset. That is a mindset. And at that mindset, that changes your opportunities because it changes what you see. Mm -hmm. And so that is really inherent in my branding because I don't tell people, you know, oh, I'm a good coach and I've got this much experience. No, I refer to myself as a catalyst. 
If you want to coach someone to talk to, that's great. There's a lot of those out there. If you have someone, you want someone near your corner who almost forces you to get shit done, but who gets your vision and is going to support it every step of the way, then I'm your guy. Mm -hmm. Well, you certainly stand for, you're either a victim or a champion or situation and you're a champion or situation and a a clear example for everybody else. So that's, that's awesome, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot. That means a lot to me coming from an Olympian. I appreciate that. <laughs> How did you get to your current level of expertise and where you're at? And just looking for a little bit of a backstory, uh, we don't need to go back too, too far, but I know that you played professional sport or high-level sport at university. Uh, football, I think it was, and, and then you moved forward. Just take me through a little bit of a journey of uh, that kind of adult life taking, to you, or taking us to where you are today. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to give you the, the quick flyover version um, as quick as I can. But football is the best place to start because uh, other than my family, uh, my football coaches, a couple in particular, were some of the most inspirational people that I had in my life. My high school football coach was definitely someone who taught me more about life than about football. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as an athlete yourself, you know how many amazing lessons that you gleaned from your athletic career that served you in your corporate career. You know, things like obviously dedication, sacrifice, goal setting, uh, being a team player, contributing to something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, my God, what a great business lesson that is. My first business I named after myself. That's a huge mistake if we ever want to sell that business. There's no brand equity, uh, you know, in Martin Reader Athletics if I buy your business, yeah. right? Yeah. So, those are amazing lessons that you learn in sport is that it's about your contribution, not about your stats. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of those things that came from football that lent their way into my fitness career because after I was injured in my second year university, almost broke my neck. Uh, it was the start of my fitness career, the end of my football career. Um, and I brought a lot of those lessons forward. Uh, what I didn't know at the time was the workouts that I was putting people through, which quickly became trademark as quite brutal, um, were less workouts and more coaching sessions. Right. And I joke that you could either hold on to your defense mechanisms and hold on to your baggage or finish the workout, but not both. Right. And so when you were at that place intentionally, what I call controlled diversity, where it just it was seemingly impossible, there was a way to dig deeper and find a new level of strength, a new level of resourcefulness and commitment inside yourself. And I prided myself on, on being able to get people there and coach them through it. And so after 18 years in the fitness industry, after going through a buyout and emerge and, and the work and my role changing so much that I no longer was passionate about it, that's what I came back to. The ability to coach people through hell to get them closer to where they really want to be. Right. It's a great summary. Um, what does leading by example look like for you in your life right now or, or throughout your life? First of all, it means stand for something. And second of all, it means do what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if you know what your vision and your purpose is, then you're communicating that to other people. So you tell people what you're going to do. And then you actually do what you said you were going to do. To me, that's what leading by example means. Love it. Well, you've already shared a story of a success today, but uh, just looking for a moment or a tale that captures why you love what you do um, can be from any time, but just looking for something that people can really relate to and buy into just that lights you up 
because you made an impact? You know, it's a, it's a great question. And thank you for asking, you know, as someone who lost their passion after 18 years, it's a long time. Also, I bought a business and I started a business over those 18 years. I took every penny I didn't have and threw it at a business trying to do it for longer because I loved it so much and I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the biggest questions that we face. You know, what do I want to be when I grow up? What's the purpose of life? It's hard to find bigger questions than that. And we all know there's so many people who have not figured that out for themselves. As hard as that is, I think when you have figured that out for yourself and then you lose it, that is a such a lonely void, such a soul-suckingly awful place mm-hmm. to get to that it was so important to get back there that if you're looking for another success, it was my first day as a coach. I hadn't even started my business yet. I called a, a, a friend, a former colleague, who had just recently opened her business. And I said, listen, this is where I'm at. You know, I'm really miserable, but I I think I know what I want to do next. I would love to coach you. I'd love to coach you for free in exchange for a testimonial and a chance to test my business model and my skill set and my passion. One session. After one session, I'm back to just feeling like I'm in a burst full of energy, screaming at the top of my lungs in my car as I'm driving away from that session on fire. And now it's been a few years as a coach, and that level of enthusiasm and excitement has not dampened one iota. Mm -hmm. It's probably grown, actually. And so that is a success to me, is that when you know what you love and you do what you love, and you find a way to make a living at it, which, by the way, is not easy. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was extremely hard. Mm -hmm. But when you find that, I, I have not experienced professionally a bigger level of success. Family-wise, of course, that's a different definition. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you work your ass off to create something where you help people doing something you're passionate about, show me a better definition of success. Yeah, well, value and impact two enormous pieces there uh, from that story. And I can honestly say that there hasn't been a call that we have been on where you haven't been a 12 out of 10 on that dial. So it's a consistent, <sighs> that's awesome. consistent Thank message. You. Yeah, absolutely. Um, shifting into culture what what would be a culture shift that you're personally championing through your coaching like we've talked on a couple different really nice concepts but on a personal level what are you really championing or shifting uh within culture in your life i think there's two answers to that question the first one is how i shift culture within organizations because a lot of people think culture is a meeting and a sign on the wall that says their mission and their vision and their values, and they try to memorize it, and nobody does, and it's certainly not alive in the organization. Just so, so just because I don't have a poster on my wall doesn't mean I, I don't have culture? Is that, is that what you're well, saying? I, I'm preaching the choir because <laughs> your values is alive within you, right. so you are to get it. I love you it, know, yes. It's true. It's totally true. I know you well enough to know that you lead with culture. And I know that's the case in the businesses that you've been involved with. And I know that's going to be the case in anything that you start in the future. That's the kind of leader you are. Uh, There's the kind of leaders that really make dollar and cents decisions that think that culture is a fluffy thing that uh, someone from HR uh, mandates down the funnel. Where the fact of the matter is, companies that lead with culture, they financially outperform their peers, their industry peers, 
across every financial index. I don't care if you're, you know, looking at the S&P 500, if you're looking at the TSX, if you're looking at the Dow Jones, you know, culturally infused businesses financially outperform their peers. So the first thing I do organizationally is I help activate culture and make sure that it's alive and working for the culture inside of organizations. And, uh, you know, in terms of my own business and the architecture, the ecosystem, the the close working partnerships that I want to create, um, it's really a culture of contribution and a culture that even if it's my business and I work with someone else and it's their business, how can we together create an impact that's bigger than all of us? That's at the heart of what the QCC is. Uh, And so that's the second way I want to show that up is because if I'm going to all day talk to other leaders about making their culture work for them, what am I actually creating out in the community? It had better be something that is bigger than me uh, or else I'm full of it and I'm not walking the talk. Yeah. Well, I'm actually just concluding a project with you, my 360-degree analysis, which I'm so excited to review. Uh, But that really speaks to what you're, you're sharing. Like you forced me to live into the culture that I've created and also check out my blind spots and, and really self-evaluate where I'm at as I move into my next project. So uh, for those people that are interested in, in that service uh, and, and your coaching that I'm going through that, which I, I'm really excited to work with you on a, on a, a bigger scale uh, so I can make some serious change both culturally and leadership wise. So once again, appreciate Amen to that. Testi- Amen. Testi- and for those coaching. people who are considering it, I strongly encourage Martin. I didn't force him. <laughs> maybe i forced him <laughs> very willingly because i know growth is on the other side in fact a good friend of mine adam vancouverden was you know shocked by me volunteering my close network of friends to give me advice and, and share where, where my weaknesses were but on the flip side you know I, it was nothing but growth on the other side right so it, it's not being scared it's, it's a great that. notion i want to throw something in there if you don't mind yeah um you know vulnerability to me is strength at those who are unwilling to be vulnerable are the most vulnerable. If you think about it, we're either vulnerable by choice as leaders to go first, to share personally, share our struggles. Um, you know, when you ask the question about, you know, how do I get whatever level of success that I've attained? One of the biggest answers, honestly, is struggle and failure. Mm-hmm. It's not about just reading and taking courses in education. I've done lots of that, right? I've owned several businesses, but you don't get to a certain level just because of experience. You do it by failing and asking yourself the tough questions on how you get better. Mm-hmm. Either you decide intentionally to be tough enough to bear your challenges and your failures in front of others, or you act the part and you pretend that you're bulletproof and you get exposed for what you are eventually as people are not bought into your vision and you walk away. Mm-hmm. So if you're not vulnerable as a leader, your business is vulnerable from a competition or from a bottom line standpoint. And uh, when people get that message, then they have two choices. They can either be an imposter and pretend they got all their stuff together, or they can be real because nobody's perfect. And the most successful people in the world, they failed a lot. For real. That's right. Well, powerful messages there. Love all that. Let's, let's shift focus more towards the QCC here. Um, why did you want to be a part of the QCC or the Quality Coaching Collective? 
Same reason you asked me why I do what I do. There's a big problem that deserves and needs a solution. Mm-hmm. You know, that problem on be, that is faced by our kids and will be faced by future generations around everything from obesity, inactivity, anxiety, you know, socialization, which I think sport is a huge part of, it's being missed out on. Mm-hmm. We're seeing lower and lower participation rates across basically all sports. We're seeing higher dropout rates at earlier and earlier ages, and we're seeing an epidemic of lifestyle, preventable lifestyle issues, of which we know a healthy physical activity and a well-balanced lifestyle would be kind of one of the biggest ways of solving that. So even though I've moved on from the fitness industry in terms of where I hang my hat every day, it's still very close to my heart. And I'm a parent who of a kid who's in sports. He's in different sports across the year. Um, and I, I think it's so important that as an organization, the QCC can equip nations and organizations and you know sport unions with tools, strategy, activation, uh, measurement, metrics, expertise, everything that we can Mm -hmm. to make sure that something as important as physical literacy and physical activity gets done and gets done well. You know, a lot of times, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a cost-saving mechanism. I don't care if it's a technology implementation. A lot of times, you know, you do what you're supposed to do but you don't do it the right way. It doesn't work out. And then there's finger pointing and we abandon the strategy. Mm-hmm. Now, come on, like as a nation, as a world, as parents, can we afford to have people walk away from a physical literacy strategy? Can we afford to have our schools cancel that? Can we afford to have our countries decide not to spend the dollars on prevention and kids as opposed to more hospital beds treating sick people? No, we can't afford that. I agree. Well, you definitely shared that that fire inside. My next one for you is what does a quality coaching collective mean to you? It means that you can complain about it or you become part of the solution. And I'm not that guy who's going to complain after the election about who we voted in. I'm going to vote. In fact, uh, our civic election is this coming Monday. And of course, I'm going to vote. The same thing. We can complain about a societal problem that is going to manifest in the way of a sicker population, or I can get off my hump and do something about it. And so I chose the latter. And fortunately for me, I am surrounded by people that are brilliant and expert at what they do. And it will take a team of that qualified uh, people to facilitate change across the world. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that change, my, my next kind of question was around outcomes. Like what would you love to see as an outcome from the QCC? I mean, we touched upon a ton of different stuff. We have over 30 people who are so well qualified and positioned in, in the health and fitness and sport industries. Um, there's numerous things that we can do. What are you interested in, in really seeing as an outcome from the QCC? I'm interested first and foremost in seeing a few flagship victory stories come to fruition whether it's some of the major sport organizations getting really behind it and having a robust strategy and having a really successful launch and, more importantly, a really successful adoption phase and results that uh, they can manifest over time. And that results speaks to the second piece, which is the actual tracking and measurement where we can generate ROI. Yeah. 
if if the almighty dollar is why some of these things aren't happening, then as the QCC has more and more victories, be it nationwide or be it through large organizations or communities or whatever the case may be, if we can measure the benefit, the results, the ROI, the cost savings, whatever it ends up being, the health outcomes in the physical activity and physical literacy strategies that we are helping to champion, then guess what? Everybody's on board. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, it's the right thing to do and it saves money? Well, where's your excuse now? And I think that's part of what the QCC can do on behalf of the fitness industry, the medical industry, the just sport organizations and the sport industry. I think that's part of why we exist. At least that's my take on it. I know I'm maybe taking a business angle, but that is my that is my forte. So I, I think if we can do that, table. if we can, yeah, if we can if we can have those huge wins, measure the wins, and then take those to market, so to speak, where now there's no more excuse about cost. Right or lack of resources. No, it's more like it's you can't afford not to. That, to me, is the result I'm looking for. Right on. Well, it reminds me of within my conversation with Matt Young. You know, he's, he's talking about a five-year piece, a five-year tester. Well, most people are looking for a one-week, four-week segment. No, he's saying five years, community, country, province. Commit to a five-year pilot, and we'll show you. We'll track it. We'll make that difference. But we're, we're in such a short period, or, or we love focusing on short periods of time, um, th those tracking systems, and, and I think one of the strengths of the QCC is certainly longer-term projects, but we just haven't had the opportunity to really activate that yet. Uh, I agree, and we all know that Matt Young is a visionary leader, mm -hmm. and leaders live in the future. And that's one of the challenges that we face, is that we're living in a future that hasn't come to pass yet. We see a better future. And some of the people that have to make budgetary decisions or policy decisions live right now in the present or even in the past. Because if you're looking at a profit and loss statement, you're looking at the past. Mm -hmm. You're looking at the quarter that was, and now all of our accounting software has been reconciled. So by the time you're looking at a budget, you're looking at the past. And if you're a leader, you're looking at the future. Yeah. No wonder we can't get on the same page. <laughs> well, even in our, our last calls, everyone is looking to the future. So I, I'd love to say that everyone sitting within it is, is a leader in their own right. And, and everybody is focused on that long-term vision, which is so exciting. Um, Amen to that. Yeah. Um, where do you think the greatest possible impact lies for the QCC? Now, you come from a business standpoint, which um, I think is an integral part of this whole picture. It's not about just you know solving obes obesity. I mean, there's a business part of that, for an example. Um, where do you think that greatest impact lies for the, the collective? I think the greatest impact lies in the ability to influence and eventually liberate corporate and government dollars. Instead of a call it a focus group or a you know a lobby group you know a special interest group you build a case that's strong enough that there is no argument other than to forge ahead with an investment in a healthier population mm -hmm. and when the government can start spending in that fashion and corporations get on board to a greater degree than they already are there are some great champions out there don't get me wrong then we have a healthier community. Mm -hmm. And when we have a healthier community, the trickle-down effects are amazing. In Canada, it's north of 46 cents of every tax dollar goes to health spending. That's unsustainable. 
So that's 54 cents left over for roads, schools, you know, anything else you want to do. Economic stimulation. Really? Are you kidding me? That, that is unbalanced. That's unacceptable. And it's unnecessary. It's avoidable. Mm-hmm. So with more proactive spending on health education and activation and accountability and measurement and reinvestment, we can get that number down so that governments in Canada and across the world can actually invest in economic diversity, in all kinds of other things that right now are getting shelved or you know pushed off to a later date that will never come unless we make policy change. So that, to me, I think is one of the biggest wins we could have. I hope to see that come to life. Yeah, well said. Um, is there anyone uh, on the QCC that you want to work with or, or acknowledge? I know that you're up to some, some things. I think there was a webinar email that came through, but anything that you're currently working on that you'd love to share? Right now, um, in between 50 to 60 hours a week, I dedicate to my business trying to find uh, time off my desk to finish off the third book, which is a collaboration with uh, Lee, who's part of the QCC, mm-hmm. as well as a couple other colleagues who bring a wealth of sales and marketing knowledge. And then we have the summit that we want to throw more specifically around health and paramedical and medical professionals and how they can sell. Uh, and not from a salesy overcoming objection standpoint, but more from a place of being advocate, a passionate advocate of what you do and helping others. Once that's done, I, I really want to help uh, support. I see what I do is really being back a house and more behind the scenes supporting. And I look at a lot of the QCC members as being, you know, the face of change and, and the expertise. And if they're the expert on the stage, I really want to be in a position where I can support their message, support their strategy, support their success. So in terms of who, well, the answer is everybody. It's more about how. I want to help facilitate other people's success because I think everybody that is part of the QCC, their mission is important enough that if I can help, done. Just name it, it's done. Amazing. And I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one. That's the great thing about this group. There's guys like Willie Cromack. There's all kinds of other people who've already put their hand up and said, name it, it's done. There's you. Look at I mean, right now, throwing the podcast, telling other people's stories, celebrating other successes. That's the power of this group is no one is sitting there going, well, I'm only interested in what's in it for me. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's not a group I want to be a part of, and that's not a group I want to support, which is why this group is so talented and so rare and so special. A lot of high-calibrating individuals leading selflessly, which, Huge. Is, which is really Who exciting. Who are also... Uh, selfless and not just self-supporting um they're interested in the in the collective and the and the overall good mm-hmm. which is amazing are you at liberty to share a little bit more about that summit you kind of intrigued me on that one uh it, is it put together enough that you can share a little bit more or should we shelf that idea for another time uh, it's not put together enough that i can uh share more it's okay. i can share the purpose um, i know because there are so many people that are amazing at what they do that are healers or amazing coaches, or just brilliant at what they do, and they're true students of the game. And I think there's a a big overarching trend to bastardize sales if you work in the health profession. Right. Because if I'm a wonderful and amazing strength coach, if I'm also good at sales, that means I'm manipulative. I'm not after the purity of what I do. That's wrong. That's dead wrong. Yeah. 
You know, if all you do is focus on the purity of the artisanship that you do, you're probably going to be a broke genius. And it doesn't mean that, okay, well, now I have to make some money. No, it's, does what you do help people? Yes. Is it valuable? Amazingly so. Yes. Does the good extend beyond the person you're helping or coaching? Yes. Well, then get the F out of your own way and help someone and charge what you need to charge that is fair and, you know, reasonable, but do it. Mm-hmm. I have no issue telling people what I charge, hands down, no problem. And I have no issue when someone says, I'm a strength coach and I charge $50,000 per athlete per year. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great. If what you do is amazing, makes a difference, if you're working with the best athletes in the world and they choose you because you're the best, get out of your own way. Yeah. Here's the price. It's so funny that that runs true for a lot of Canadians. I, I noticed playing internationally as a Canadian athlete, we're, we're just so bashful and, and we don't even want to be our, our own cheerleaders. And, and that, it took me a long time. In fact, I'm still trying to work with that as I transition into business because I always felt like I was boasting if I was talking about my success or talking about my skill set. Um, I, I think that's a, that's an issue right across the board in Canada. So to to coach people to get over that and to really not worry about the selling side of things and, and focus on making an impact and charging what you're worth and, and owning that piece, I think, I think that's... That's incredible. I think all athletes need to benefit from that within Canada. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting uh, juxtaposition that, that I face as well because obviously as a business owner, I have to promote my business. In doing so, sometimes I feel like I'm shamelessly promoting myself. Right. The workaround is to go back to why you do it. And so if you can celebrate success stories on behalf of clients, you're actually marketing someone else. Mm-hmm. And what are you really doing? Here's a really cool story about a client who went from this to this. It's a great story about the client, but people can figure out pretty quick, how did that client do that? Oh, he must have had a good coach. Same thing as an athlete, right? Yeah. You can, what are you going to advertise your free throw percentage or how fast you can throw a fastball or anything like that? No. Maybe your workaround in terms of your own worth is to talk about how successful your team is, how amazing and how selfless the other players on the team are. Well, then what are people picking up? They're picking up that you're a team captain, you're a leader, you're a champion on that team. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how talented a teammate is, you know, they can be toxic in the locker room if all they care about is their own stats, their own sponsorship deals, all that kind of stuff. And we've all, as athletes, had experiences with people like that. Absolutely. Give me someone less talented, more selfless, more about the common good, will win as a team way more often than somebody who is one of the best in the world that they do but one of the biggest egos in the world. Mm-hmm. Big things right there. Well, Stan, I want to acknowledge you as someone who lives it, you share it, and you're, you're a change maker. And I'm super excited to, A, work with you on a personal level, but also be on the Quality Coaching Collective with you. I know other people are going to be super excited to meet you uh, for the first time or continue to work with you. Um, exciting times ahead, my friend. Very excited. Oh. Is it ever? I mean, that's the beauty is, you know, I, I know speaking of Matt again, you know, I, I, one of the sayings that I got from him that I'll never forget is twice the beauty is seen when shared. Mm-hmm. And we're not just talking like there's a lot of people bringing things to fruition. And through a group like this, our collective networks, our collective skills, there's not only is there opportunity for all of us involved, 
but there's an opportunity to create change and a massive change because the more of us that are driving forward, the faster and further we go. So you're right. Very exciting times ahead, and I'm humbled and honored to be a part of the QCC. So thank you to all of you for the work we have done and will do in the future. Perfect. Well, we'll close it there. Stan, thanks for your time, and uh, looking forward to more, my friend. Always a pleasure, brother. Thank you. Okay. Cheers.